Hey, it's Alan, and I just wanted to let you know that you can now listen to the ongoing history of new music early and ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. I really, really want to believe. There are trillions of galaxies in the observable universe, each containing billions of stars. There's got to be something out there. We, we can't be alone. Wait, hang on. We, we need some appropriate music. Okay, that'll work. Um, where was I? Oh, yeah. Organisms floating in the acid clouds of Venus. Remains of bacteria in the Martian soil. Creatures swimming in the vast oceans below the ice of Europa. Something lurking in the methane lakes of Titan. And that's just the start. Roswell, the wow signal fast radio bursts, the possibility of a Dyson sphere around Tabby's star, hints of something on the hydrogen line frequency of 1.42405755177 gigahertz. And now both NASA and the U.S. government have admitted that they don't know what's going on with these strange objects that have been buzzing the planet. Our culture has absorbed these mysteries and possibilities, and our music reflects that. This is UFOs, UAPs, Aliens, and Rock. This is the Ongoing History of New Music Podcast with Alan Cross. Calling occupants of interplanetary craft. Calling occupants of interplanetary ultra-emissary. That's Babes and Toylands covering what they may have thought was a carpenter song, but can actually be traced back to a mysterious Canadian band called Clatu in 1976 that some people believed to be a secretly reconstituted version of the Beatles. Nope, just some dudes from Toronto. Welcome again. I'm Alan Cross, and it's time we faced the truth. A lot of rock, and I mean a hell of a lot, has been inspired by the possibility of extraterrestrial life. Themes of aliens and unidentified aerial objects are everywhere. This isn't my imagination. What are these songs trying to tell us? Are artists being influenced by minds from outside our time and space and dimension? The idea of extraterrestrial visitations can be traced back to ancient times. For example, what the hell is the biblical prophet Ezekiel talking about with his vision of the Merkaba, a giant wheeled chariot in the sky? There are many ancient Roman accounts of things in the sky that speak of phantom ships way up there. If you're an art scholar, there are paintings from the 1400s that seem to show UFOs. Look at Madonna with St. Giovanni or The Miracle of Snow by Massimiliano de Panicale. By the time we get to the 1800s, there are reports of strange airships, peculiar visitors who speak in an unknown language, and strange metals recovered from crashed vehicles. By the late 1940s, UFO sightings were commonplace. There were 800 alone in 1947, including the infamous UFO crash in Roswell, New Mexico. Then came all the alien movies. And then the songs started coming. As far as I can tell, the first ever UFO-themed song was by jazz singer Ella Fitzgerald in 1951. Two little men in a flying saucer Flew down to earth one day Look to left and right of it. In 1957, we heard from Billy Joe Fure with Flying Saucer Rock and Roll. Well, the news of the saucer been a flying rat. I've been in water, seen it over the ground. 
And then in 1958, Sheb Woolley had a big hit with this song. Well, I saw the thing coming out of the sky. It had a one long horn and one big eye. I commenced to shaking in the city. It looks like a purple people eater to me. It was a one eyed, one horn flying. Since the 1960s, songs about space, UFOs, and aliens have been very common thanks to artists like Pink Floyd and Yes, who were into a type of space rock. And even Elton John foreigner Neil Young got into it. The Birds had a hit with Mr. Spaceman in 1966. Reg Presley, the leader of the Trogs, remember the song Wild Thing? Was such a devoted UFO investigator that he hosted an English TV program on the subject called Reg Presley's UFO Show. He apparently invested some of his royalties into investigating crop circles, and he eventually wrote a book called Wild Things They Don't Tell Us, which was about UFOs, of course. At precisely 9 p.m. on August 23, 1974, John Lennon reported seeing some kind of strange craft above the Dakota apartment in New York City. It was, quote, a thing with ordinary electrical light bulbs flashing on and off round the bottom, one non-blinking red light on top, about 100 feet away and hovering above an adjacent building. There was a row or circle of lights that traced the rim of the aircraft, and if you go back to the song Nobody Told Me, which appears on his posthumous Milk and Honey album, it references that particular experience from 1974. And Elvis was big into UFOs. His father, Vernon, reportedly spotted a UFO at 2 a.m. on the day Elvis was born. According to a person close to him, okay, it was his hairdresser and spiritual advisor, Elvis believed that aliens began sharing telepathic visions with him when he was just eight years old. One of those messages showed him as old, wearing a white jumpsuit with rhinestones. He claimed to have seen UFOs above Graceland and while driving out in the desert. Okay, this, this is where we're going. And what I'd like to do is look at some artists who really want to believe, or at least profess to. And for a starting point, let's go with David Bowie and his alien alter ego, Ziggy Stardust. Bowie stumbled upon the character after a series of failed attempts to come up with an image that would get him noticed. After having what was branded initially as a novelty hit with his 1969 release Space Oddity, Bowie began to turn his attention from Earth orbit to the stars. Adapting some costuming ideas and glitter dust used by some of Andy Warhol's avant-garde theater crew, Bowie capped off his new look with a strange, striking orange puffball haircut a creation of a London hairstylist named Susie. His wife, Angie, had become taken with a picture she had seen in Vogue magazine. Bowie's Spaceman became one of the most influential characters music has ever seen. Ziggy introduced a new sense of drama and theater into rock and a new way of promoting and marketing music. Ziggy lasted only a year on Earth. He made his stage debut on July 8, 1972 and was retired forever on July 3, 1973. Bowie kept all the costumes stored at a vault somewhere in Switzerland. Some of them were put on display as part of his David Bowie Is Museum exhibit. Bowie remained fascinated with extraterrestrials for some time after his Ziggy phase. Although his music moved on to different subjects, Bowie was always watching the skies for something. But then again, it might have just been the drugs. 
He eventually laughed about it, but there were times in the cocaine haze of the mid-1970s when Bowie really believed he was under surveillance by aliens. For example, between dates on the Diamond Dogs tour in 1974, he'd sweep the sky with a telescope that he took on tour with him in hopes of communicating with these masters of the universe. He was constantly sending his personal assistant out to buy books on UFOs. And when he was offered the role as the mysterious and doomed Thomas Jerome Newton, the alien in the movie The Man Who Fell to Earth in 1975, he jumped at the chance. He kept all the costumes from that project, too. And if you had followed Bowie for the rest of his life, you'll know that he maintained a fascination with the extraterrestrial and the alien. Around the same time Bowie was doing his Ziggy thing, a five-year-old boy named Charles was out playing in his yard with his brother in Alliance, Nebraska. Suddenly, something appeared in the skies above them and flew past. It was not an airplane. And years later, he remembered what happened. A big silver rocket, silent, slow, no marking, low to the ground, not very high up. It was moving very slowly over the house. This wasn't all that unusual for the family. Charles's mother remembers seeing a UFO in 1965 when Charles was a baby. She was with several cousins, and I quote, There was a flying saucer floating above the house for half an hour, and everyone just stood there and watched it. It was hovering. Then the state police came and chased it, but they couldn't catch up with it. My mother's weird, but she's not that weird. She's got no reason to make this stuff up. Charles became fascinated with space. In 1986, when he was a student at the University of Massachusetts, he had made plans to fly to New Zealand so he could get a good look at Halley's Comet. He never made the trip and instead decided to inform a band. He changed his name to Black Francis and called his new group the Pixies. And if you know the Pixies' music and any of the solo material Charles released under the name Frank Black, you'll know that there's a whole lot of sci-fi in what was going on. I quote Black Francis. We tried to elevate the sci-fi thing, make it more opera-ish, more of a serious rock thing. We want UFOs to be an acceptable topic. They're romantic. He also says he's quite experienced with UAPs, the current name for UFOs, which stands for Unidentified Anomalous Phenomena. I've actually had quite a few of them, mostly when I was younger. A couple of them are fairly dramatic. That gave me a little bit of license. The culture of all that in the 1980s and the 90s It was all still pre-internet. You had to go to really strange AM radio programs that were on late at night out of Las Vegas. I used to go to so-called UFO conventions, these freeform gatherings of very oddball people that were very caught up in whatever it was that they were caught up in, with outfits and songs and guitars sometimes. Some of them were snake oil people that were selling crap, but a lot of them believed in whatever they were believing in. And there are definitely people that were really off, maybe mentally imbalanced even, all gathered together in a convention center at an airport. I really enjoyed dabbling in that culture a little bit. Here's a Pixies UFO track from their Bossa Nova album. It's called The Happening, which was inspired by one of those radio shows that covered UFO sightings. They're gonna put it down Right on the strip
We have only just begun. More on the connection between UFOs, UAPs, aliens, and music coming up. Let's take a journey back to 2003. Canadian teen sensation Avril Lavigne was topping the charts and turning the music industry upside down. But what if I told you that the Avril Lavigne we know and love might not be the same Avril? What? Did Avril die? Was she replaced by a doppelganger? I'm Joanne McNally and I'm doing a deep dive into a notorious internet conspiracy. Who replaced Avril Lavigne? Listen wherever you get your podcasts. Earlier, I mentioned the Roswell incident. To get everybody up to speed, here's an executive summary. In 1947, it seemed that everybody was spotting UFOs. Like I said, there were 800 sightings in the United States alone that year. In early July, a rancher named Mark Barzel was out for a ride on his horse. Strange metal debris was scattered all over one of his pastures. He didn't think much of it. But the following Saturday, this would be July the 5th, 1947, he went into town for a few beers. When he explained what he'd found, his buddy said, Hey, haven't you heard about them flying saucers? Sounds like this could be one of them. Rizal gathered up some of the debris and took it to the sheriff's office, which then contacted the local military. And within hours, personnel at the nearby army base at Roswell, New Mexico, were involved, and they were crawling all over his pasture. On July 8th, the press officer at Roswell Army Airfield issued a release that a flying disc had been recovered. That release was quickly retracted, but not before it caused a media sensation. Eventually, though, the whole thing just kind of died out. It was just a weather balloon, said the military. Okay, fine. But starting in 1978, ufologists resurrected the tale with a series of newspaper articles, books, TV shows, and movies. And so the legend of Roswell began, 30 years after the incident. The cover-up has been one of the most enduring UFO conspiracy theories of all time. The military has always denied anything strange was found on that day in 1947, and that includes recovered alien bodies. No such thing. A definitive report on the incident was released in 1997, 50 years after it all happened, but that has not dampened any interest at all. Instead, Roswell has become fixed in popular culture. Which brings us to the Foo Fighters. If you check any Foo Fighters release, you'll see that the name of Dave Grohl's record label is... Roswell Recordings. The first album featured a suspicious-looking ray gun on the cover. And then there's the name Foo Fighters. Here is the official story. Toward the end of World War II, the U.S. Air Force had special squadrons patrolling the skies over Germany. Every once in a while, they would run into a strange aerial phenomenon over Alsace-Lorraine and the Rhine Valley. Some thought that they were flying saucers. Others believed that the highly maneuverable balls of light were a new type of German weapon. The pilots in this squadron became known as Foo Fighters, after the French word Foo, which means fire. Pilots who reported encounters with Foos were ridiculed by their fellow flyers and their commanding officers. But there was still concern about what was going on up there. As a result, the story of the Foo Fighters, the World War II kind, was declared top secret for a while. Now, Dave Grohl says that if he had to do it all over again, he would come up with another name for his band. 
It wasn't long before he got tired of telling the same story over and over again. And I quote, Every time we get together to do an interview or every time we read a feature on the band, it was more to do with UFOs and science fiction than music. I'm a big sci-fi bug. I'm a UFO buff. So people suppose I'm obsessed with outer space, which I'm just not. I love reading about it. I love science fiction movies, but I don't pray to the alien god in my pyramid temple. In response to all this, Dave wrote a song called Enough Space on the Color and the Shape album. So please don't ask him about it anymore. Here are a few other artists who claim to have had some kind of close encounter. Lemmy of Motorhead. In 1966, he was playing in a band called the Rockin' Vickers, and he reported this. This thing came over the horizon and stopped dead in the middle of the sky. Then it went from a standstill to top speed immediately. We don't even have aircraft to do that now, never mind then. So that was pretty eye-opening for me. Keith Richards of the Rolling Stones. In 1968, he was absolutely convinced that UFOs were using his estate in West Sussex as a landing zone. I've seen a few, but nothing that any of the ministries would believe. I believe they exist. Plenty of people have seen them. They're tied up with a lot of things, like the dawn of man, for example. It's not just a matter of people spotting a flying saucer. I'm not an expert. I'm still trying to understand what's going on. And Jimi Hendrix was a believer. He claimed that as a kid, he and his brother Leon saw something weird from their bedroom window. If you dig into the meaning of the song Purple Haze it might have at least some passing reference to what he saw that night. I think this calls for more Bowie. I have more rock stars who believe in UFOs. Mick Jagger. In 1968, he was on a camping trip to Glastonbury when he saw a cigar-shaped ship in the sky. A year later, he saw a similar craft, and that prompted him to install a UFO detector in his house. Okay, so what was that? Well, some kind of detector of electromagnetic waves. He said it would regularly go off, but only when he wasn't home. Post Malone says that he's seen UFOs twice. Machine Gun Kelly saw some kind of red orb over a lake in California. Sun Ra, the wild avant-garde jazz futurist, had several chats with aliens, all of whom wanted him to accompany them somewhere to help the teenagers of a distant planet. But he turned them down, saying that he wasn't interested. And Sammy Hagar says he was abducted when he was 18. This was 1967, and I quote, I'm in bed, and all of a sudden I see in my head, I, I feel that there's two aliens in a ship, and I could see that they had something plugged into me. So, uh... Sammy got probed. And this will come as no surprise to anyone who is a fan of Muse. Matt Bellamy is not only a student of cosmology and conspiracies, he's a believer in aliens. He also believes that he might have been abducted himself, probably by those damn greys that are always probing. One night after a recording session, Matt was driving home when he saw a flashing light in the woods at about one in the morning and decided to check it out. The next thing he remembers is waking up alone at home. Now, he does admit that some recreational substances were consumed that night, and what he saw was probably a helicopter, but he still believes.
We are far from done, and we haven't even touched on two guys who have taken their UFO obsessions to the next level. Hang on. It's not just rock stars who believe in UFOs. Grimes, Doja Cat, and Demi Lovato are on board. The English singer Sheryl Crow is pretty sure our planet is populated by volunteers who arrive from space. Robbie Williams, one of the biggest pop stars ever produced by the UK, is so convinced that aliens exist that he made a documentary on the subject. Which brings us to Sean Ryder of the Happy Mondays. He claims to have had multiple encounters with flying saucers. I don't go looking for aliens, he says. They find me. When he was 15, he and a buddy were walking to the bus stop. We just saw these things zigzagging about. And that was the beginning of a lifelong obsession with all things extraterrestrial and also multiple observations of UAPs right from his backyard. During a break with the Mondays, Sean made a TV series on the subject. I'm Sean Ryder. As a 15-year-old lad in Salford, long before my hell-raising antics in the Happy Mondays, I saw a ball of light whizzing about in the night sky as I stood at a bus stop. I knew there and then I'd seen a UFO. Ever since, I've been obsessed with all things extraterrestrial. I've always wanted to understand what I saw that day. And in this series, I'm going to do just that. My mission is to seek out those at the forefront of UFO research and through them try to discover how other people deal with this most mysterious phenomenon. I'll be meeting the top dogs of ufology, from generals and scientists to the abductees themselves, to hear what they have to say and to separate fact from fiction. And that's clear as daylight, that. Well, it is. This is one of the strangest, mysterious things that I've ever seen. Sean Ryder is very committed when it comes to his beliefs in UFOs and aliens. But out of all the people we've talked about, no one has gone deeper into the subject than Tom DeLonge of Blink-182. He is a genuine, serious UFO researcher. His fascination began in junior high. He was a difficult, rebellious kid who got into a lot of trouble. The last thing he wanted when he grew up was to be stuck in a boring 9-to-5 job. Then he saw Star Wars and then Close Encounters. And that got him thinking about what might be out there. He started reading and researching as much as he could. UFOs were great, but he also got into theories of paranormal activity. When Blink-182 came together and he started making some money, his very first royalty check went to buying a personal computer, which he immediately put to work looking for more information on aliens. He was known for spending long hours on the tour bus looking out the window hoping to spot something strange in the sky. He claims to have spent a night in the desert where he saw things zipping and zigzagging across the stars. If he had a chance, he'd organize a Bigfoot search party. Tom accumulated dozens and dozens and dozens of books and videotapes. The best ones featured military types revealing the strange things they saw and what they knew. His obsession was so great, it is said that his relationship with the other two guys in the band got pretty strained simply because he was always pursuing theories and conspiracies. In 2011, he founded Strange Times, a website devoted to the topic. He wrote a children's book called The Lonely Astronaut on Christmas Eve. 
While separated from the band, he co-wrote a number of novels and nonfiction books called Secret Machines. That led to a History Channel series called Unidentified, Inside America's UFO Investigation. Also during his time away from the band, he founded the To The Space Academy of Arts and Sciences, a company with both an entertainment division and another seriously devoted to aerospace, UAPs, and technological research into theories like zero-point energy as a method of propulsion. This is no minor undertaking. To the Stars is staffed with academics, engineers, NASA scientists, ex-government officials, and at least one former member of the CIA. The Academy has also been relentless in demanding government institutions be more accountable and transparent when it comes to what they know. One of the company's initiatives is the Acquisition and Data Analysis of Materials Research Project, which is devoted to examining alleged exotic alien materials recovered from crashed UFOs. They say they've got some. And in October 2023, a movie called Monsters of California was released. This was Tom's full-length directorial debut about a couple of kids who get sucked into a situation involving a missing father, some paranormal activities, and the military. These days, Tom is pretty excited given that the U.S. government and NASA have acknowledged that UAPs exist and that they don't know what they are. Tom took to wearing a t-shirt for Blink shows that reads, Tom was right. Then there's this song. Tom has this to say. As a hobby, all I ever do is read books and study material on UFOs and government conspiracies. So I wrote a song about a guy talking about aliens as though he's had a weird experience, but nobody believes him. They think he's full of crap. But he's directing his angst towards the government because the government knows there's something going on. I think it's just a cool song coming from that point of view. And here it is. I got an injection of fear from the abduction. My best friend thinks I'm just telling lies. All right. Here is a final list of rock stars who believe in aliens and UFOs. Billy Bragg will spend hours talking about the subject. His wife used to study crop circles, and she claims to have seen a UFO making one. Jay Maskus of Dinosaur Jr. won't talk about his experiences, but he's dropped hints that he may have been abducted and probed at least once. And Perry Farrell of Jane's Addiction and Pornophil Pyros is completely on board with all this. He's also into crop circles and believes that aliens live among us so they can research our behavior. They might be time travelers, he says. Perry once organized a music festival called Enid. In addition to all the live performances from all these different bands, part of its purpose was to draw in these alien visitors. But as far as we know, they did not show up. If you want more ongoing history, you can choose from hundreds of podcasts that are available for download. All the podcast platforms have them. Take as many as you want. I'm also lurking around Facebook and X and Instagram threads or whatever social media seems to be the relevant thing at the moment. There's my website, ajournalofmusicalthings.com, which is music, news, and information, attitude every day. And you should also get my free daily newsletter so you don't miss a thing. Send email to alan at alancross.ca, especially if you have any close encounters to share. And finally, there's my other podcast, which is a little different. It's called Uncharted, Music and Mayhem in the Music Industry, which talks about true crime and music. That's also available everywhere. Technical production for all this is by Rob Johnston. We'll talk to you next time. And remember, Keep watching the skies. I'm Alan Cross.